0: Yo, I'm coming from that three six, so that's why I got them brains spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket. I ain't flying, all you chickens, though. Always shoot my shot. better switching off the pick and roll, dishing off the give and go. All my squad is driven, so you can catch us on the road. Promise we ain't doing shows, so that means if you wait. Welcome to
1: Peeps and Plaid, episode eight. I'm Christian Gamelin. I'm talking with co-host Austin Caphammer, and in this episode we're going to discuss the recent Blazers games to include the exciting win over the top team in the league, Toronto Raptors, and we'll discuss the state of the Western Conference, who's real and who's a fluke. So the first game was November 28th
2: against the Orlando Magic. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Austin? Uh, it was 112 to 115. Uh, definitely, Portland wins. So that was that was good. But you know, it's against Orlando. We had a we had a, 20 second, a 22 point second quarter, um, and then a third a 40 point third quarter to counter Orlando's 33 and 21 respectively. So it kind of just kind of flip flopped. We and that's kind of been a trend of ours here um, as of later. Really, this season is um, low scoring in those second quarters and then kind of trying to get it back later in games all right so blazers nuggets i was
1: at that game it was a brutal loss to the nuggets it was back and forth tough to see because the blazers fought their way back into it it was back and forth in the fourth quarter and then it came down to a last second shot dame took the inbound he was dribbling trying to find a shot he ended up passing it to cj and cj had a decent look with a little bit of space but it just didn't fall and it was just heartbreaking it was so loud in the Moda Center, and it just didn't come together. So, yeah, I mean, the Nuggets, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Will Barton's coming off injury sometime soon, but they're a scary team in the West, number one right now. So it's good to see us playing that close. You know, it's, it was a one-point game, but... The Nuggets were making, like, every three-pointer, I swear. It was like, I think they had, like, 60-something percent at halftime. But, yeah, even even their big guys were shooting good from three points. Yeah, um, I, I, Mason Plumlee was doing all right. I think that they had a,
2: uh, a 46% behind the three-point uh, line when I was watching some of those uh, NBA highlights, uh, quick little highlights on that. Just going to recap, I think that I heard that um, they had shot 46% as a team behind the arc. Um, so that's, that's pretty difficult to overcome.
1: Yeah, so that was a... Tough game to lose, but the Blazers played hard against one of the best teams in the West. But yeah, just the Blazers were giving up too much. Um, Again, it was a lot of the... Our big men weren't playing perimeter defense well, even against other big men. They're giving them too much space. And in today's NBA, pretty much anyone can shoot a three-pointer. So it wasn't really a good strategy for us. They were making everything.
2: Well, yeah, you know, uh, Gary Harris was supposed to kind of be a second guy there, um, next to Jamal Murray, it was my understanding. And he's, he's still been solid. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely, if I had to guess, I just not even having looked, he was probably averaging at least 15 points or more, but, or just, just out right about that. But, um, he had 27. So that's, it's, that's going to be pretty difficult to, do and when they have him clicking and and you don't even really need it from Jamal Murray, that's like when we have guys on our squad clicking when Dame's not really going, you know, that's 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 kind of the Denver equivalent. So and then Millsap is like the old school power forward and he just kind of bullied. We have really thin we might have athletic forwards uh, power forwards with Chief and, and and you know kind of Mo can stretch at the four and um, sometimes Jake as well but they're not they're not very big guys. I think like is Swanigan would we even say Swanigan's a a, a four? And I don't even know if he saw the court that game. But Milsap's a big guy. So he's gonna bully, you know, Zach. I think they we'll play Zach there sometimes as well. Those guys just they're not gonna when when Paul Milsap turns his back to the basket, he's gonna back any of those guys down. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that Spurs game? It
1: was Spurs beat the Blazers one thirty one to one eighteen.
2: Yeah, that I mean. So Dame had thirty-seven, and then um, he had had only. Let's see. No, yeah, he had thirty-seven, and then he had ten rebounds. That's that's quick little anecdote. I love how these these numbers that we always list with Dame. Take a moment to just like just check out the the assists and the rebounds too. He's always got something else going on. He's never he's never yeah he's never less than four. In most of those other categories, most of the time. But in this case, the reason I say that is, you know, he had 37, 2, and 10. So he had 10 boards, I believe. If I... Uh, 10 no, assists. 10 assists, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, so he had he had 10 assists with the 37. And, you know, we, once again, had that 22-point second quarter. We can't... It's not terrible, but we can't... In, t- in, in how high-scoring today's NBA is, especially this season... We can't be having twenty-two point second quarters. You know, we need to. Yeah. We have a little bit. We have to some to show up a little bit. So you know, CJ had twenty-four. Chief had twenty. When Chief shows up and when CJ has more than than twenty-three points, I mean, CJ has twenty-four points. Chief has twenty. You know, and Dame has thirty-seven. Man, you got to really look at some film to <laughs> say where did we go wrong to lose that game, but yeah, um, you know, Nurk had sixteen. Probably could have seen more from him I think you know eight boards, he did it all right it looks like I don't know I have to go back and watch a little bit more on him but yeah I mean you look at the bench the bench only had 13 points that's right so that, that's where we went wrong I think that's that's right and you know I actually as I scroll down here through my my notes on my phone you know I say I, I wrote here nobody else in the blazers eclipsed 10 points only one of which mo oh. Harkless eclipsed five points there's a terrible bench happening yeah. so yeah that's Yep. that's kind of the story of that game. But DeRozan had 36, Aldridge had 29, Rudy Gay had 18. You know, their guys, the main guys, showed up, and um, yeah. the Blazers lost four of the five coming. And the Spurs were coming off back-to-back losses, so we both both teams had something to really redeem themselves for. And the game was halfway out of reach. You know, it was it was out of reach halfway through the fourth quarter, just about just after that. So, yeah. So, the next game
1: was Blazers-Mavericks. This was pretty much Luka Doncic continuing to
2: tear across the NBA. Did you have any thoughts on that game? Yeah, I mean, so it was, the we lost 102-111. to 111. Um, But, you know, they had a 30. That was one of those games, that, and that's, this happens in the NBA, I mean, every now and then, where it's just the other team, and we see it all the time with the Warriors, they'll come out first quarter and just put it on you. It's so tough on both sides of the ball that it's just like how how are you gonna you see teams like the bulls kind of have that happen to them as well how are you gonna come back from their first quarter they put 34 on us and held us to 20 so and and even though it's only 14 points it we just we were kind of neck and neck the rest of the game and it just was never really shored up um that deficit so um but dame had 33 you know again with the, with another yeah game. he was on triple double watch yep. thirty three eight and eight yep and look at that what, what 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 were we just talking about these 30 point games they're not just thirty point games he yep. he's uh he might not be Westbrook but he's he's working on other on some other uh categories there but yeah it just blows my mind that he's never had a triple double so
1: like every single night really? I'm always watching him like Dame, are you going to get a triple-double tonight? Yeah, he's
2: never done it. That's that, Isn't that crazy? Like I believe it because I've, I've never seen it, and I would have seen it and known about it by now, but I've just never really sat back and reflected on that. Yeah, right? That's, and uh,
1: Nurk, like most nights, Nurk has... He's like on pace to get a triple-double or get really close because he gets a lot of assists in the first half, but later on as the game goes, it's a lot of bench in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter... It's Dame time. Whether or not Dame is scoring like crazy, Dame has the ball in his hands. CJ has the ball in his hands. It's like the first quarter, Stotts really gives the ball to the big men a lot to try to open up certain lanes and run certain plays. So Nurk usually ends the first
2: half with somewhere between like three
1: and six assists, and he doesn't really get any more the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's... Definitely noticed that as well, and you know Luca had 21 for the Mavs, so he's 21, nine and three. So he's had nine boards and 21 points there. So he's definitely been special for them. Quick little side note: I think that I really want to look up the plus minus on Trey Young. I think somebody on on Twitter was talking about how it's just it's just absolutely horrible, and it was a joke that he even got Player of the Month or Rookie of the Month over. Uh, in the Eastern Conference and but you know, Luca, on the other hand, we're we're watching him win games for the Mavs. So he's uh Yeah. He and, and when I say that, that literally he had a he had a step back with a minute left on us uh to pretty much close it out. So that was yeah. he's he's big time man. That's a that's a great pick and I'm sure Cubans are loving that.
1: Yeah. The next game, Blazers versus Suns, it was a little bit of a Jake Lehman coming out party. He had what was it, five three-pointers made that game? Yeah.
2: Had a, his career high in points? Yeah, and I think he had, yeah, let me get down here to my notes a little bit. Yeah, so he ended the game with the 24 points. He was perfect in the first quarter uh, with 15 points. He was 10 for 13 for the game, three three for five behind the arc. Um, I don't know when those threes came. Yeah, the Suns just didn't really get anything to go that game for the majority of the game. Yeah, No Devin Booker, but no CJ for us either.
1: Yeah, that was a good game altogether, 108-86. to 86. The Blazers were winning throughout. They demolished in the first quarter thanks to Jake Layman. But yeah, that was just really fun to see. I mean, it's weird because he hasn't really played since then. He, you know, made a couple mistakes in some games later on. He just really hasn't been getting much playing time. But he had a really good game that night, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, and... I I remember saying to my buddy, I think I was watching the game with it, I said, you know, Jake's, it seems maybe a victim at the moment a little bit, because he's a summer league uh, all-star, if there is such a thing, and then it seems like whenever he's playing these teams that they're still an NBA team, but just there's really um, a little bit, I don't know if you'd say less pressure, but maybe just he believes more in himself going into it that... Okay, this is a team that I'm supposed to do well against, or something. I, I don't, I don't know, but that's yeah. because we see him do well against these teams and take good shots. He takes the same good shots against good teams, but I think may, who knows? Maybe it's just nerves where these aren't why these aren't going in, in in the big moment. But he's, you know, he's excellent in in the past summer leagues and against some of these teams like the Suns. So yeah, that's that's my two cents there. Yeah. So next is
1: Blazers versus T-Wolves. I was at that game. Awesome to watch. It was close throughout. A tough game. I would have liked to see the Blazers do a little more, especially since Robert Covington wasn't playing. But the Blazers, Dame had a three-pointer right toward the end, and then CJ had another three-pointer to put the nail in the coffin. So it was really exciting in the Moda Center again. Another pretty close game throughout. But it was good to see the Blazers win that one. So then the Blazers versus the Rockets in Houston, first game of a back-to-back. Did you have
2: any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, so we lost just by seven points. Dame had the 34, uh, CJ had 23, Nurk had 15 and 10 uh, boards. Harden had 29, and then Paul had a triple-double. So Chris Paul did have a triple-double just by, just barely, <laughs> in each of the categories. He had 11 points, 11 boards, and 10 assists. Or actually, I'm sorry, 11 assists, uh, 10 boards. And then Gordon had 14. Houston kind of just all around. Uh, I, I didn't really go down, take the time to write down a lot of the specific player um, statistics from that game. But just from what I looked at, Houston just had a lot of guys with more than 10 points. And it just looked like kind of an all-around offensive effort for them. And kind of watching some of the, the game film as well. But, you know, that was just one of those recent comebacks that was thwarted. You know, we claw back all the way to get you know within firing range in the in the last couple minutes and then you know it just uh, just didn't happen for us so these are these are definitely turning some hairs gray dude watching some of these watching some of these losses recently yeah and then uh, the Grizzlies
1: game the Blazers were up like it was like 28 to 18 I was watching and then next thing I know Blazers are still at 28 and they're at like 32 I was like what the heck. And it was just yeah. kind of, like, gone from there, that Blazers-Grizzlies game. And, and like, in a back-to-back, you really want to win that first game because it's the second game of a back-to-back. You're going to be tired. So in the first game, you want to capitalize and win it. It's tough when it's the Rockets. You know, last year they were top three team in the league, um, had a chance to beat the Warriors. This year they don't have those lengthy wings um, for for defense. And, you know, it just wasn't. It's not really looking like they're the same team this year, but they still have some really high highs. Whenever they're hitting their shots, they're one of the best teams in the league for sure. Um, so it's tough to win in Houston. It sucks that we had them first game of a back-to-back.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's we. I think even more importantly, it's tough that we had all of them on the first game back-to-back because it seems yeah. like from... Well, similar to the Nuggets, even though I may not follow them closely, but I do the Blazers. From what I've what I've heard in, in the national media is, you know, it's pretty seldom that we've seen them all healthy. You know, both Harden and Paul on the floor this season uh, in relation to last season.
1: Yeah, uh, Memphis game, it just it just sucks. Memphis is a tough team to tack down. Uh, last year they were pretty bad. This year they lost Tyreek Everett. Tyreek Evans, so you'd think that they'd take a step back after he was playing so well last year, but they got Mike Conley back, they're playing well, who was it they got in the draft, it's uh John, uh, what's his name, it's not Mike uh, Conley. No, it was, um, It's. It, why am I spacing on it right now, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Jaron Jackson, yep. Yeah, he's uh, solid. So they got him, he's, he's solid, I've, you know, earlier on in the season I saw him making some rookie mistakes, but you know, you can't blame him for that, but I just not expecting the Grizzlies to be as good as they are right now. Um, It makes sense for them to beat us on the second game of a back-to-back at home. But it's just it's tough to see that, especially when the Blazers had the lead in the first quarter and were hitting everything at the very start of the game.
2: Right. And, you know, CJ had 40 points, and we ended with 83. So CJ had almost nearly uh, half of our scoring total. Um, And, you know, the old saying in sports, regardless of what sports you play is, uh, in organized team sports is you don't want to play your game. You don't want to play the other team's game. And we definitely played Memphis's game, uh, hence the 83 points that we put up. And that little spread difference there uh, made their their uh, game a win and ours a loss is their 13-0 run to close out the game. So that's the just the disheartening when we're in it. We think we're in it, and then it's just – you know, that, that one happened a little bit earlier on in the fourth though. That wasn't quite as much of a, of a heartbreaker as, or excuse my language, a ballbuster as some of these recent ones. But, um, you know, Dame only had 14 points. We can't, we can't win games when Dame has, has 14 points. If we do, we can't end with 83. It's really odd. Yeah. You know, if, if you, if you went up to, if you came up to me before the game and you said, Hey, Dame's going to only have 14, but get this CJ's going to get 40. I'll be like, all right, bet. Like, we're gonna have a pretty good shot at winning this game. But then if you would have said, But we end with eighty three, I would have said, Yeah, I d I don't know. I don't think we won that game. But
1: Yeah. Um, like we either need a lot more from Nurk and Mo or or sorry, Nurk and Aminu more so, or we need a lot of bench scoring. That's that's the only way we're winning with that those numbers.
2: Yeah. But you know what, hey, uh, you know, not sorry to bring it up on the pod, but uh, that was a good little good little battle we had in fantasy the other week.
1: Yeah. Fantasy's been
2: looking a little better for me right now. Same. Yeah. I started off one and four. Now I'm, I'm three and four and have a shot to maybe take this one currently. So, but yeah, I, um, think, I think I'm three and five right now. So the reason I, I say that is because I had, I actually have Conley and I have CJ. So Conley's averaging, I think 15 on the season I saw on them. NBA ESPN highlights or whatever. And, um, he got 23. So he definitely topped his season average. And then CJ had forty, and I have CJ. So that even, you know, even though we lost, that was definitely a solid night for me in fantasy. Yeah, I'm looking at fantasy right now. Ben Simmons had
1: 22 points, 14 assists, triple double, zero turnovers. That's crazy.
2: Dang. Yeah, but what about that? Game? I'll just never forget last year in the postseason. Didn't he have like a one or two point game or something like that? Oh yeah, Boston? he just
1: could not score in the postseason. Yeah, it's like he's just not a jump shooter That's so in the man. postseason they just pegged him and he couldn't he couldn't get anything
2: i'm so tired of, of, of hearing about at the beginning of the season i don't really hear it too much anymore but beginning of the season it was so funny seeing you know, all these off-season videos of him at black ops and whatnot taking these jump shots yeah. and everyone saying oh he's gonna be like this improved jump shooter and then guess what did completely different context but you know same thing with markel fultz too and a bunch of oh, you know it's every every year there's always a guy who just got a new jump shot and it's just like uh, yeah. okay
1: I remember back when uh, Michael Carter-Williams, he was Rookie of the Year, and then he got traded to the Bucks, and then they're talking about, you know, this is a long guy, he's good at defense, good at rebounding, he's good at everything but shooting, and then he was going to a team with Jason Kidd as the head coach, who, you know, used to be a terrible shooter and then developed his shot over the years, and so they're like, alright, Jason Kidd's gonna make Michael Carter-Williams a top-tier point guard, and it just did not come together. And I think Michael Carter-Williams, like, 68 rating in 2k right now or something like that
2: dude that's crazy because I, I totally thought i watched a game with him here recently i can't remember who's on who's even um playing yeah he's on the rockets season. now that's right yeah and i thought oh you know who I, I always get him mixed up with like the guy uh on on the grizzlies here kyle anderson and then there's like another guy yeah. or two they're just uh kind of those taller, or lanky or light-skinned dudes i can't remember there's another there's, there's at least another two or three guys in the league that always get mixed up with one another. But um, yeah, they have yeah
1: they like the, the short curly hair and the beard. Right. You know, exactly. Similar,
2: yeah. Exactly. Um, but hey, good little segue. Marshawn Brooks, not Dylan Brooks, uh played for the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> and put up a put up a couple points uh that night against us. I don't know if um, is Dylan Brooks on I, I think he's on the Grizzlies, right? Yeah, Marshawn
1: and Dylan Brooks are both on the Grizzlies.
2: Okay, but Dylan Brooks wasn't on their uh, active game roster when I went back and reviewed some of the statistics. That's why I was confused. But I, but yeah, it does say when you look him up individually that he is on their roster. So, um, but yeah, what Dylan did, yeah, what Brooks
1: did... doesn't even play. So the whole situation was the Wizards are trying to trade, uh, uh, get Ariza. So they were trading Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers to get Ariza they had to do it in a three-team trade so they thought so they're trading Ariza and Brooks to the Suns Brooks was coming from Memphis what wasn't clear is that Memphis thought it was sending Marshawn Brooks Phoenix thought they were getting Dylan Brooks and once Memphis found out no it's the other Brooks that we're talking about they're like oh crap deals off and uh they ended up getting the deal done just phoenix and and washington without any brooks involved but it's just ridiculous it's like for one it's ridiculous that they even had that problem but for two they're both on one-year contracts and dylan brooks hasn't even played like at all this year and it's like memphis isn't cool with giving up dylan brooks even though they don't even play the guy like i don't Understand whatsoever.
2: I think I think Don Brooks. It, it, I like I said. I don't I don't follow uh, earlier when I say like I said uh, earlier in the season. I noted that I'm not the biggest college basketball fan. Well, from what I what little I've heard coming out of the Northwest, he's an or he's a product of Oregon, and I think he had a lot of buzz about his ceiling. So maybe uh, Phoenix being in the position that we all know they're in right now, they were seeking. Something a little bit more developmental and long term, um, and Memphis being in a very kind of similar but less pitiful position, <laughs> yeah, um, didn't want wasn't quite ready to release that young asset either. So, um, yeah, that was that's so interesting. Um, I was talking to somebody and I I saw somebody on on Twitter say that that was a, a bad trade for. Um, 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 Goodness, I'm blanking on the teams that were a part of this again. It was it's we got the Wizards Wizard and the Suns. Yeah, um, someone was saying that it was a bad trade for the Suns, and I was like, dude, there's no way this is a bad trade for the Suns. Um, you're getting rid of a, a guy, an old an older guy who's well paid. Um, most would say probably overpaid. Uh, who might be solid, but is really kind of a game manager at his position. Um, for two young, consistent from what I've seen in their recent years, I, I can't really uh, speak too much to their time on the Wizard, but consistent uh, in recent years, um, Ubre and, and Rivers. And, yeah. you know, the, it's it's just, I don't know, it's a no-brainer trade for me. And maybe it's just because I'm living down here in Phoenix. but in, in a lot of ways, the trade
1: was good for the Phoenix Suns. But in a minute, I'll tell you, why the trade is terrible for the Phoenix Suns. So I'll uh, keep you waiting on that one. But real quick, just want to recap the last game uh, the Blazers had against the Raptors. I was at that game, it was another fun, close game. Luckily the Blazers won it. It was really impressive because the Raptors had just beaten the Warriors by 20 in Oracle without Kawhi Leonard. So coming off that game, going up to the Blazers, I was not feeling very confident. But the Blazers bench stepped it up. Um, Raptors were hitting a lot of threes Um, Siakam was hitting some threes Uh, even though Aminu was uh, Aminu was like slacking off him in the second half and I was like what? He was just hitting threes in the first half but they never got the ball to him again so um, it worked out Um, but yeah it was an awesome team effort really good bench play Uh, the starters came back in and kind of let the Raptors get close again but then they were able to seal the win so yeah man really awesome to see the blazers beat the best team in the east um yeah
2: yeah and you know i'm happy that you were able to go there and, and watch that i uh um was blessed enough to uh go and meet my girlfriend's uh, new nephew he was born earlier this week so we were over there and, and awesome and visiting yeah they uh her brother and her uh, sister-in-law and just spending time with them but I did get a chance to look down on my phone a couple times and, and check some things out and watch some of the highlights but that's that was a really big win and we really needed that and you know I actually even told my co-worker before he left for Vegas this weekend he was surprising uh, his wife and, and taking uh, a bunch of uh, his family up to Vegas he always bets this guy just wins and wins and makes more money usually but he's not an NBA guy and he came up to me before he went up there and he's like hey you know I need tell me I'm gonna parlay a couple a couple of teams tell me what are locks I don't want I don't want ones that you think are, are locks I need to know what are locks and I I didn't really comment on on this game because although Toronto is fantastic and even though I may be a little bit biased we had something to prove and I, but I did make the mistake, admittedly, of telling him if Kawhi comes back, I don't think I didn't think we were going to pull it out. And sure enough, yeah, I, when I opened up my phone, I was like, oh geez, he's playing. They they lost that because they they won the two games prior, I believe, coming into that without him. Um, and Kyle Lowry was doing very poorly prior to that and didn't really in terms of just scoring. I mean, he's always he's killing it with his assist numbers. I think he's leading the league this year. But he, um, you know, he was basically putting up some some points here in the last two games coming into that. And then Kawhi came back, and I don't know, maybe it was the end of a long road trip or what have you, but that was definitely good to see that win. Yeah. So want to talk about the Blazers.
1: also want to talk about the rest of the Western Conference. Um, so for the Blazers, a lot of the trends we're seeing, I think they're kind of living and dying by the bench. I mean, we look at that Spurs game where the bench did terrible, and the Blazers got pretty much blown out. Um, and then you look at this game against the Raptors, where the Blazers had their highest bench scoring of the season, 58 points, and they were able to win against what's currently the best team in the in the NBA. Even though they didn't have Kyle Lowry, um, they still had Kawhi Leonard, they had basically all their other guys. Actually, the lo- they lost Valanchunas for a while. But the Blazers kinda living and dying by the bench right now. Um, luckily, it's not the only factor. It's, it also, you know, there's so much more to it, but One thing I want to see more of that we saw at the start of the season, and I had different thoughts a little bit ago, but I've recognized that it hasn't been working for us. The Blazers need to switch the starting lineup altogether. When the starters come out, they need to all come out. Because at the start of the season, that's what Stotts was doing against the Lakers, against the... Well, what what are you saying he's doing now then? What he's doing now is against the Raptors, he waited and he put in the entire bench at the same time. And it took them a minute or two to get going. They were, they had, I think, one turnover in like two or three times where they like almost turned it over. And it was like, what are you guys doing? But then when they got in their stride, they got it going. And Seth Curry started making some shots. And Zach Collins started playing well again. And Myers had a dunk. So it's like once they get their momentum, the bench can be good together. But when he puts in one or two at a time, you know, Evan Turner starts to get tired by the time Zach Collins and Nick Stauskas come in. I think... It's not fully explainable because you would think Evan Turner with Dame and CJ would be great. And they are sometimes. But it seems like our bench really comes into its own and has an identity and plays well in the third quarter, especially when they came in together in the first half, played decent together. They have a little bit of momentum going into the second half. So I like to see the bench coming in all together. I think that's one of the keys to the Blazers playing well and having good bench scoring is them all coming in at the same
2: time. For sure. Well yeah I'm going to have to keep a little bit more of an eye on that you know I I definitely obviously noticed the trend here with our bench scoring and and kind of taking our team to its highs and its lows Um, and definitely where our bench goes our team goes so that's going to be the story. Um, When the season began I know that Blazers Edge ran a story that said that um, we hadn't had bench scoring in, in this volume or at this rate um, since 2008 or some some pretty ludicrous amount of time. So um, definitely just want to get back to that and um, hopefully that'll that'll right the ship a little bit better here for us.
1: Yeah, so what's encouraging is the Blazers are still only three and a half games out of first place. So I mean, lots of highs and lows, lots of games that they won where it's like, well, the other team didn't have their star players, so is it really that important of a win? All the other teams in the league have also had Good opportunities, bad opportunities. We're still only three and a half games out of first place. First place is the Nuggets with two, two or three key injuries right now. Really? Is
2: it who, who's who's uh, who's hurt for them right now?
1: Uh, so let's let's get into our next segment of real or uh, what was the thing I was saying? Real, real or, fluke, or which would fake. start off? <laughs> real or fake? Real or fluke? Whatever we want to call it. Um, but we're starting off with the Nuggets first in the West. The Nuggets are real. They're not going to be in first place um, by the end of the season. Mark my words on that. Uh, But the Nuggets are a real playoff team who legitimately could be a threat in the playoffs. The reason they're not going to be in first place is Paul Millsap is out for a bit. I think he has a broken toe. Uh, Gary Harris is out for a bit now. Um, Will Barton is still out. He's set to come back in the next game or two, though. Um, So hopefully he does come back. I like Will Barton. But yeah, without Millsap, without... Uh, Gary Harris. Those are two of their starters. They're gonna have some struggles, um, and then when they're rehabbing some of those guys, when they're you know getting back into the lineup, they're still gonna have some struggles. So, the Nuggets. I originally ranked them as the uh, six seed in the West. I'm gonna stick with that. I think um, they're a really good team who could do a lot, but they're gonna have some struggles in the next month or two.
2: Yeah, man, and and believe me, uh, Jamal Jamal Murray. He's uh, he'll be able to definitely have some career numbers this season if not he already has yeah and another guy
1: who's injured and could make them a better playoff team isaiah thomas hasn't even played all season but that's a guy who can you know maybe he can draw a nice six-man role for himself uh we'll see how he does when he comes back but let's uh let's get these going rapid fire like two to ten word explanations yeah second in the west warriors they are real one word champions. Uh, yeah. That's that's enough. Uh, number three, the Thunder. I predicted them at the number two seed. I'm gonna stick with them at the two seed. Thunder are real. Uh, they just there's no crazy explanation. They just got a lot of good pieces, a lot of good defensive players. Number four in the West is the Lakers. Real. Look at that. Two through four are my one through three at the start of the season. Lakers are real. LeBron <laughs> can win with any team. The Lakers got a a lot of young guys with a lot of potential, a lot of athletic guys, and they brought in an entire starting lineup this season. So, Lakers are real. Unfortunately, um, five is the Clippers. What do you say about the Clippers? Real or fluke?
2: Man, I think. Um, well, so what's their current seeding? Do you happen to uh, know that?
1: They're fifth. At seventeen and twelve.
2: Yeah, I think I think that they're a real playoff team. I don't I don't know if that's what I had noted them as at the beginning of our uh, season here, but I think that they're definitely a legitimate playoff team. I think that number one seed was just about as legitimate as our number one seed, if not a little bit less. Um, mm, I don't want to undermine them like that. It's probably just deservedly, just like ours. Um, it's the West. It's tough. So, um, like you said, with the Warriors, they're champions. The Clippers. Gonna try to keep it short here, but Tobias Harris and um, a couple of those guys, Gallinari, been solid. Um, you know, keep an eye out for him. He's on my fantasy, but they're they're a real playoff team. They're not they're not a real. Uh, I think they're a fake one seed, um, but so were
1: we. Yeah, Clippers are for me they're they're a fluke, but in the same way that you were talking about them, they're a good team. They have amazing depth at guard, um, which is good because they they always have one or two injured. Um, and they're a good team all around, but they can't keep keep up in the Western Conference. They might be a uh, fringe playoff team, um, and they could be a contender next year if they get a key free agent, but they're just not a contender this year. So next is the Mavericks. I think they're another fringe playoff team. You think they're a real or a fluke?
2: I th- that's tough, man. This This might seem a little odd, but I would say Harrison Barnes is my answer because... We know now. I think that Luke is going to show up for them for the most part. Dennis Smith's going to show up and contribute a little bit. Uh, DJ is going to. Jordan's always going to have his work on the glass. So they could be a legitimate just outside. I would say. Well, what? Well, where are they? You're going to have to let me know with each of these what their current seating is at. Yeah, I'm just going in order. So Mavericks are six. Six. Okay. Yeah. So ah, I don't. Maybe in the East. Not not in the West. I don't think I. I think that's fake. I would say that's a fake uh, six seed, and that we'll see that slide a little bit. Not necessarily due to lack of performance uh, on their part, but just uh, quality performance on the on their competition in the West. Um, and we just need to see more from their uh, other guys, such as Harrison Barnes and um, some of their other role players.
1: Yeah, hypocritically, I'm going to call the Mavericks real. Uh... <laughs> because I just called the Clippers fake. I think they're both pretty much in the same position this year, but the Mavericks, I thought they were going to be bottom of the West. I think they had a chance to improve with DeAndre Jordan and Luka Doncic, but they've shown that they're a pretty real team and they can beat anyone, honestly. Um, I don't think they will make the playoffs. If so, it'll be a 7 or 8 seed, but they're they a pretty real team. I'll say that. I, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. So what about Grizzlies at 7? That's That's a fluke. That's that's
2: not gonna yeah. that's not gonna be sustained. I mean, they're good. I mean, like I said, I want I want the best for Conley. Clearly, on my fantasy, um, not when they're playing against the Blazers, unfortunately, <laughs> here in recent losses. But yeah, no, that's that. I, I, maybe I just don't know enough about them, but I don't think that that's sustainable in the Western Conference. Yeah.
1: Um. So let's let's keep them quick now. Uh. Let's go to the Kings. Yeah. Uh, they're ninth, right after the Blazers.
2: I think I think I don't know if they'll keep that. It's the ninth seed, so if they do, I wouldn't be unsurprised. It's not really that there's not really that much notoriety or um, what have you with, with with attaining that ninth seed. But um, I'd say more or less right about there, maybe maybe Tenth seed. I'd say is where I'd be comfortable saying myself. Dude, I think
1: there's like no way they stay there. I think they're thirteen or fourteen. I think they're really? improving. De'Aaron Fox is looking really good. But there's, I think there's no way, cause the five teams just underneath them, Pelicans, Spurs, Rockets, Jazz, T-Wolves. There's no way they're they're keeping the ninth. Seed. Um, ninth seed is gonna be like, like think about it. If the Blazers miss the playoffs, they're the ninth seed. Yeah, that the was... Blazers have a real chance of missing the playoffs. So it's like there's there's no way the Kings are gonna be here's the, here's the I thing, dude. I'll,
2: this is what I'll say. That was a. Uh... Uneducated and stupid opinion formulated by myself right there, <laughs> but no, the are not stupid. The reason <laughs> why the uh, the reason why I had I had said that was because in years past, teams like the Nuggets, uh, the Clippers, um, so on and so forth, uh, the Suns, um, these are things that I've just kind of taken uh, for granted or assumed as as a Western Conference following basketball fan. Um, but I have to remind myself now that these teams are contending for playoff spots so um, yeah. now these teams that were seen as elite in recent years or at least uh, playoff contenders um, such as the Rockets and the Spurs I, I, I didn't even realize I, it's been uh, a little bit it's been at least a week or two since I've looked at the standings, and they like you like we've talked about all season the Western Conference is ridiculously uh, narrow um, so yeah no I, I then in that case I'll, I'll take back what I said, I'll eat some crow and say that that's probably fake and that the Kings will not hold on to that.
1: Yeah, and and the, nine, the ninth place is usually like one of those up-and-coming teams. Like a few years ago, it was the Suns. We thought this, like, oh, okay, the Suns are going to break the barrier next year, but they're just not quite there. And last year was the Nuggets, who really were pretty much a playoff team. They had a regular season playoff game, um, and they ended up with the ninth seed. And it's like the Nuggets are almost there, and they're there this year. But yeah, I mean, I don't think the Kings are quite there yet, but they are still a young team that is improving. But just real quick going through the rest. Pelicans, I think the Pelicans, it's real that they're in the thick of it. They're going to continue to be in, in the thick of it in the Western Conference. I think they're a playoff team. I haven't followed them enough, but I think it's real. For the Spurs, I think it's real that they're playing well. They're at 500. I think that's pretty real. I think they have a bad team with a great coach, and a couple good players. They have Demar Derozan, who's amazing. Lamarcus, who has his times, but this season he hasn't played very great. He played great against the Blazers, but he hasn't played that great. And they don't have Dejounte Murray for the season. So and Lonnie I don't Walker, think a great team. I said
2: it earlier in the season, and I'll say it again. I, yeah. Lonnie Walker will be a star, an all-star, if I might overreach a little bit in this league, just from what I saw in his small body of work over summer league. He's that guy has a complete game. Okay. I'll
1: uh I'll check out how he's been doing for the next episode. So next is the Rockets. The Rockets in 12 is a fluke. However, this team is the best team in the league when they're shooting. Nah, not best. I'll I'll give them the third after they lost their uh their long wings last for that they had last year, but well, and the they're health one issues, of the best teams in the league the when they're shooting too. Remember but with Chris Yeah, Chris and, it, and it happens with Mike D'Antoni everywhere he goes. They play well at first, and then guess what? One thing or another happens. You get injuries because they're constantly sprinting up and down the court. Mike D'Antoni has a good idea. He, You know, the seven seconds or less offense, it's a good idea. Keep on moving. Keep shooting. It's a good idea, but it's not sustainable. And you need to have impeccable shooters in order for it to work. I don't think he's a good coach. I I said it before. In in the game seven against the Warriors, he didn't make adjustments and he didn't motivate. They they were showing videos of him talking to the guys and you're just like, oh, all right, uh, just go over here, and make sure you're shooting well. Uh, it's like, come on, dude. Like this is game seven, biggest moment of your life. Basically, you know, as a coach, you need to be making adjustments or motivating hard. Uh, obviously, I don't see what's happening at halftime in the locker room, but. I just, I'm not impressed by Mike D'Antonio. So Rockets, I think they're a playoff team. I originally put them at the four seed this year. They might be lower than that. Now I'll take them at four. I mean, they're still only five games out of first place. I'll take them at four. Uh, Jazz, I had them at five. They're currently in 13th after the Rockets. They're six games out of first place. I think the Jazz, it's a fluke that they're in 13th. Um, I think they're a real team, a playoff team. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has had some struggles to start the season. I think he'll eventually shoot his way out of it. Um, Timberwolves are 14. Um, I think that's a real spot for them. Uh, they, I think they'll be a little bit better later on this season. I don't think they're making the playoffs. They're still a pretty dang good team with Covington and Saric, but pretty dang good isn't good enough in the West, unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean... That's about it. Now, the Suns made a bad decision in the trade they did. They made a good decision if they want to be a little bit better this year. They made a terrible decision, in the only way that they're going to be a contender in the next couple years is if they get Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson <laughs> is should be the only thing the Suns are thinking about right now. Do everything it takes to get Zion Williamson. If you can trade with another one of those teams in the East who's – a bottom feeder, the Hawks, Cavs, or Bulls. I don't think there's any way any of them are trading their first-round pick. If there's a way to do it without trading Devin Booker, then do it. Uh, or DeAndre 8, maybe, yeah, maybe trade DeAndre 8 and worth it for Zion. Uh, what? But man, if you can get Zion Williamson, maybe even R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, he's he's up there into the projections. But you look at Zion Williamson. There's no way he's gonna be a bust unless injuries happen. And I, I'm hoping there's no injuries. I never wish that on anyone. <sighs> That guy can ball. The Suns need him. They'll have an amazing shooter in Booker. A decent big man with some potential, but not not the most. He's a little one-dimensional in DeAndre Ayton. But then Zion Williamson, he can make anything happen. So Suns need to go all in on that. If they can clear up some space, get rid of Ryan Anderson uh, somehow, get a free agent point guard like Kyrie Irving. Like Austin Rivers is an improvement, but not good enough. Man, imagine Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Zion Williamson, and then their their wings they got. They got Oubre now, they got uh Josh Jackson who's good at defense and not much else, and they got what is it, McCall Bridges. You'll have to use uh um, you'll
2: have to use your brother's uh flight benefits and fly on down here and peep a game here when they got Zion down here in Phoenix and hang out with your boy.
1: Uh yeah, if they get Zion, I will. No, <laughs> I might go down anyway.
2: Not if, not if they're playing T.J. Warren still.
1: T.J. Warren's all right. I don't think he's necessarily worth 11 million a year, especially for a rebuilding team for the next four years. But yeah, T.J. Warren's a pretty good player. Yeah, just 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 like Ariza, it's just not a good fit for where they're at. Right. I mean, there's that's another contract that that they're gonna need to try to move if they want to sign a max guy. So.
2: Yeah, and circling yeah. circling back to that earlier, I kind of I kind of trailed off. I realized after the fact, but you know, really, what I was trying to get at was the Suns are not contenders, and they don't need to really value veteran leadership. And is we need to kind of also maybe reconsider how much of veteran leadership is really real and and otherwise just perpetuated. They're just not in that position for for needing that kind of player. And like you said. Um, I don't know about all that Zion stuff. I mean, that's a lot easier said than done. Uh, with a lot of fans that want to see some stuff now, a lot of fans that aren't quite as forward-thinking as maybe we are, and uh, maybe more so fans of this of the franchise than we are uh, that want the. Maybe are a little bit more impatient, but getting guys like Austin Rivers to be your backup point guard, maybe starting point guard for today, but backup point guard for tomorrow—that's necessary if you want to be a playoff team in the Western Conference of the NBA. Same with Ubre. You know, having those guys as key backups or, dare I say, role players when they're developed or later on in their careers—that's going to be necessary for them. And you know, it's not going to be a—that's a—it's not a duct tape. Solution. It's not. It's not going to change anything for the Phoenix Suns this season or next season. But in a couple, you know, if they retain one of those guys, maybe don't be surprised if they contribute down the line in one of those uh, lesser capacities. But that's the thing, though. They're improving
1: the Suns. You don't want to improve the Suns when Zion Williamson oh. is on the line. You're not going to get another Zion Williamson. Man, I'm done with you. And it's your not going to happen. We need to wrap this up. Oh. Just you watch, listen. Steve Kerr's freaking out about this guy, Zion Williamson. He is the next thing. I just can't even. It's gonna be amazing. Right. Whoever gets him is gonna be awesome. Might be the Bulls. Might be the Cavs. Maybe the Cavs will ruin another first-round pick. All right, man. Well, Worked we're LeBron. Actually, we're
2: pushing an hour. We uh, oh. to our fans, you know, we wanted to make this one a little bit uh, more in depth. We we uh, both Christian and I had a kind of an eventful past couple weeks, so um we are happy to finally catch back up and we'll try to bring it to you guys in a little bit more of a brief uh way here in the coming episodes yeah so yeah as as always you can find us on uh twitter instagram Uh, i think we've kind of given up on facebook (laughs) that's kind of been the if you followed us this this year uh it's kind of been the running joke here but um yeah so peeps and plaid twitter instagram and then uh, you can listen on spotify itunes google Podcasts. anchor fm is definitely the platform that we use to help us with that so you can pretty much find us on any of your major podcast streaming platforms so thank you guys for listening
1: thanks for listening to episode 8 of the peeps and plaid podcast here's an outro from ziggy zay check him out on spotify say,
0: i'm going super safe The cat sat on the a light, achieve a height that I ain't never seen in life. You see, I'm elevated. Told me that I never make it. They said I was done then. Then my mind accelerated. Yeah, I see, I'm underrated. But I never stated or debated. I'm the greatest for the greatest me that I can beat. I'm trying to put the whole crowd on the edge of their seats But I put a little bounce on the edge of the beast. Uh, I ain't ready about the green, no piccolo. Sleep out like a light, no sycamore. Stay away from the devil, he a teaser. But if you get closer, I'm have to give a like of Vegeta. Yeah, normally I'm cooler than a freezer. But now I'm on 10, so it's fun to be a breeze. I got the dry, so they giving me the keys. Taking juice to school just so they can pay the fees. Pray and meditate, only weigh him on my knees. Used to think I'm sick now I really got to sneeze It's all God's plan How I'm doing this with ease Yeah, it's nice I ain't here to appease I'm sailing the seas I'm wavy Pessimist daisies No bragging Just refuse to be lazy No lagging The connection is crazy Yeah, I do this as a hobby But I spit like they pay me Yeah, yeah.